Good morning, everyone. Good to have you folks with us. Wow, what a start last night. What a wonderful, what a, what a great message to start with about the burning heart. Our hearts burned within us. I don't know about you folks, but I thought about that all night long. I thought about the, the joy that is in my heart since the Lord called us out of darkness. What a joy, huh? We're going to get to hear two more messages this morning. Two more. Our change of the schedule has been slight this morning. We're going to have our brother uh, Kevin Thacker preach again this morning for the first hour, and Brother Clay Curtis will preach for the second hour. For those of you, again, who receive our mailings, we will include these services on CD for you. If you require or would like to have a CD burn for you, please see Kathy afterwards, and uh, she'll get it made and mailed to you at, uh, at her con- at most convenient moment she can. Um, it was brought to my attention, since COVID is hit, we no longer pass the plate. Some of you folks have been coming here for a long time, haven't been here for a little while. We, we don't pass the plate at all anymore. Um, I think that's just a better way to do it. There's nothing wrong with passing the plate. I just think it's better. And since COVID hit, nobody wanted to be handling the same plate anyway. So there's a box in the back. If the Lord is leading you to with joy in your heart, support this ministry, please feel free to leave it there in that box. Um, Some were looking for it last night. So I think that is all of our announcements for this morning. I'd like to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please. Pastor Gabe Stoniker has graciously agreed to read Scripture and lead us in opening prayer. Brother Gabe. Turn with me, if you would, to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And it's between the books of Moses and the Psalms. I know it's not an easy one to find. I'll give you a minute. Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll read from verse 1 down to verse 12. Nehemiah 8, verse 1. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man, into the street that was before the water gate and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel and Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah, and Uriah, and Hilkiah, and Maasiah on his right hand. 
And on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, or the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Let's all pray together. Our high and holy God, Lord, we stand here before You as one man. We stand here before You in one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all here because of Him. We have a heart to be here because of Him. We have eyes to see this, ears to hear this, a heart to believe this because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful. We're here to worship our Lord, our God, our Savior. Let us not be here in vain. Let us not be here with an absent mind. Let this not be going through the motions. Let this not be tradition. Let this not be just another year that passes by in another conference that passes by. Lord, open our hearts. Cause our faces to bow to the ground in in humility before our Savior and our God. Lord, bless us. Cause us to cry, Amen, Amen. We agree. We believe this. So be it. We pray that You might truly be worshipped, Lord. We are Your people. We're the sheep of Your pasture. We're just so happy and thankful to be here together. We're happy to meet each other and know each other. And this is a foretaste of glory divine. Lord, we we can't wait to meet the great congregation in Christ and be together truly as one body under our one head. Lord, would You please be blessed and be honored by us today. Cause us to praise You. 
We pray for the men who are about to stand. Lord, we're so grateful for the truth that we heard last night. And we we pray that you might prepare us to hear it again. Lord, bless your own word. Lord, and bless these men as they stand before us. And feed our hearts and feed our souls with it. And we pray that you would have mercy on us. Lord, thank you for revealing the truth of salvation to those of us that you have revealed it to. And if there is anyone who has yet to see Christ in all of His sovereign glory, would you reveal that this morning? Lord, we pray that you might draw your sheep to yourself. We pray that our children might be among that number. We pray that our families and loved ones might be among that number. We have co-workers and acquaintances that we truly love and care for. And you're able to do a great work if you would be willing. Lord, we look to you, we bow to you, and we give all thanks to you. For Christ's sake, amen. Keep Thank you, brother. Thank you. I'd like to ask you if you would turn in your hymn books to page 405. 405. Join me in singing My Faith is Found a Resting Place. 405.
Pastor Kevin Thacker from San Diego Grace Fellowship. Brother, come do it again. Come do it again. Come brag on Christ to us, will you? Thank you. Good morning. I promise there'll be somebody else preach to you other than me. That's my last. I'm going to sit down. I'm off work after this. Uh, I want to thank you all for having me here again and having my family. And it's such a, a privilege and an honor, and we understand the work that goes into this. Uh, it's a it's a lot of labor. It's a lot of planning, sleepless nights, and there's a lot of expense financially to this. Uh, and somebody had to work for that and, and labor for that, and I appreciate it. Uh, we're thankful for that. The men that are here preaching this weekend others in attendance. Uh, I admire these men. I admire them. And I heard a man, it's not what Webster's would define it, but I'll tell you, I like this definition. Admiration uh, is when, for a peer or something, is when they do it better than I do, and I still like them anyway. <laughs> so you'll get them and treat here in a minute. This is the fourth year I've been coming up here, and boy, it has changed drastically. Uh, the ride from the motel to here was just fields before. Now there's houses up everywhere. The stores went up everywhere. Grocery stores. This place is boom. That's good news. You know why? Not that there's growth in America. God, whenever He ascended on high, He gave a gift. There was an ascension gift He gave. Right there He sits. John won't say this about Himself, but the Lord's equipped Him, and He sent Him to this part of the world to tell the truth about man and truth about God and to give knowledge anybody can get that we can read and understand things and understand like our brother just read they, they read the scriptures distinctly and gave the sense of the text like yeah that's what it says and that's what it means God's equipped him here that's God's gift if he showed up and gave you a, a, a deck of cards you think you'd hold on to it huh would you throw it in a corner somewhere down the place? No, but you appreciate it. I hope you all appreciate it. I want to say some things this morning. And and it, it's going to offend our nature born of Adam. And, and everybody in this room has at least that nature. And if you have two natures, the old man is going to flinch. And it's not like these things. But that new man, that new creation... As we said, boy, that's right. That's good. This is true. Amen. We, I don't want to be offensive. Some things are offending, ain't they? They offend us. If you want to turn to John, we're going to be in John 16. If you want to turn to John 13, I'm going to try to preach through about four chapters in four minutes if I can. John chapter 13. And John, I want to see this to start off with. In John 13, our Lord begins speaking to the twelve and He washes their feet and He has supper with them, the last supper. And then He says, One of you is going to betray Me. This is all the same night until we get to our text. He sets the twelve down and He washes all, of, all twelve of their feet and He has the Lord's table with all twelve of them. That ought to teach us something. He sets them down and he says, One of y'all is going to betray me. And in different recordings, they go through, they go around, Lord, is it I? 
Lord, is it I? I know me. It's probably me. And John was laying on him. And Peter said, John asked him. John asked him. And he said, Lord, who's it going to be? We know it could be any of us. And Jesus answered, verse 26, John 13, 26. And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I've dipped it. I'm going to take bread. I'm going to sop it up some of that wine. I'm going to give it to him. And when he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. That hour's coming. And it's here. And he says, What you've got to do that's been determined by the foreknowledge and counsel of God from everlasting, do it quickly. Get after it. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto them. They didn't know. He was the treasurer. And they thought, well, he's going out to buy meat or something. And the Lord said it plainly. <laughs> they didn't get it, did they? But the Lord spoke to Judas, Satan inside of him, and said, That thou doest, do quickly. By the time this night's over, Judas is going to be back with all And we'll take our Lord and, and mock him and bruise him and put a crown on his head put signs above him and pierce his hands and pierce his feet and he's going to hang on that cross and then, like that wasn't bad, marred beyond his own mother doesn't even recognize him and then his father, God Almighty is going to turn his back on God Almighty and the rocks are going to break open and the earth's going to go dark. That's what's coming in just a few short hours, just a couple hours. If I had, if I, if I got a little job to do, I'd care no vouch for me. If I have a small job, so don't bother me, I'm busy. I heard that all growing up to my dad. I said, don't bother me, son. I'm busy. I'm busy. These 11 are with him. And instead of saying, men, you ain't going to understand until later. Leave me alone. I need to pray. No. From John 13, 31 until the end of chapter 16, our Lord sits down with those 11. And he spends his whole time comforting them, teaching them, Preparing these apostles to go out and preach his gospel throughout this world. Preparing them individually for the life they're going to live of ups and downs and disbelief and, and, and sin that's going to be ever present before them. And he takes that whole time to re- repeat himself in each chapter over and over again. Trouble's coming. I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to speak to your heart. You're going to see me again. You're going to see your nothing. You're going to see your not faith. You're going to see your love don't mean nothing. You're going to see you're not diligent, but you're going to see my love, and you're going to see my faithfulness, and you're going to see my dedication and my motivation to the Father, and you're going to be full of joy, and you're going to tell others about it. And that's going to keep happening. And then after a while, you're going to have some peace during this. And then you're going to start thinking you did it. You're going to start thinking you understood some things, and you learned some things. And boy, trouble's going to come. When that trouble comes, you're going to be down and low and afraid and full of trouble. And I'm going to send a comfort. You're going to know what you are. And He's going to reveal me to you. And you're going to see my faithfulness and my diligence. You're going to see me. And you're going to have joy and it's going to lift you up. And then you're going to go out in the world and you're going to preach some more. And then you're going to think you did. There's a pattern here. Over and over again. He tells him about to be glorified. I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going away. You're going to need one another. This world's going to hate you. 
hate you, not mildly dislike you. They'll string you up and kill you if they can. All of them died except John were, were murdered by religious folks. Upstanding moral religious folks killed every one of them but John. You're going to love one another. You're going to need one another. You can't make by yourself. I'm with you, but you can't, you can't, you need somebody. You're going to need them. Peter said, where are you going? He said, where I'll go, you can't go. And he said, I'll lay down my life for you. I'll lay down my life for you. He said, really? You're going to lay it down? He said, before the sun goes down, you would deny me three times, Peter. Big bad Peter, the strong fisherman that smelled like fish and had cows all over his hands and was rude and crazy. He's not, the apostles weren't these, we just destroyed this. They weren't these little bald-headed men in, in funny little brown robes that, ha, oh, all that. No, they're commercial fishermen and they'd beat you up in a back alley if you crossed them. These are ruffians, mafiosos. I'm serious. Like me. They're sinners. Mean, self-serving like me. And you know what? God had mercy on him. And while he's getting ready to face what we can't even imagine, he takes the evening and says, Come here, boy, sit down. Let me tell you something. And he keeps telling him the same thing. These things, these things, over and over and over again. Repeatedly. He says, I'm going away. You're going to need one another. Love one another. Your brethren's going to fail and fall. You're going to fail and fall. They're going to have to lift you up. You're going to have to lift them up. I'll send a comforter. You're going to see me. You'll have joy. He keeps saying this over and over. You're going to have sorrow in your heart. But he said, as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. That's what it says in John 14. John 15. And he says, John 15, 11. Look there. He told him a lot of things. to John 15, 11. He says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I'm telling you, you're saying all these rough times are coming. I'm telling you that so you can have joy in me. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command. He said, I'm about to go to my father. It's the same pattern over and over. I'm going away. I'm going to the father. You're going to be sad. I'm going to send a comfort. You're going to have to love one another. What makes this necessary when he says, as I've loved you, love one another? Well, he's commanded it. Right? Lord said, love one another. That's how all men will know you are my, my children. Not if you have your doctrines in a row. Not if you sit underneath the right man. Not if you attend the right conferences in the right place in California in the right times and all that stuff. Not the, no, if you have love one towards another. That's how you know. That's how you know. He's commanded. But this is necessary because you're going to be hated by the world. Natural man's going to hate you. Religious folks are going to hate you. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be mean to you. And you need one another. And what's going to strengthen this love? You being hated by the world. When, when your brethren are the only ones that love you, you're going to love them all the more. That's going to grow. That's going to grow. And just as He's loved us eternally, everlastingly, the more we know of Him, the more our love grows for Him. It? it grows. These things are going to keep happening. He said, I'm going to the Father. I love you. You love one another. You're going to fail and fall. Pick, 
Pick each other up. Curve. This world's against you. But I'm going to send a comforter. And you're going to see me and need me and learn of me and testify of me all over again. And rejoice together when this happens. And further the gospel. Do whatever you can. Because there's other brethren out there we have that don't know him. What if I was the only one? And he sent somebody to me. Would I think it was worth it? <laughs> Might be a great cost to you, but thanks. <laughs> I'm thankful. That was worth it. But we're going to bear witness. He says in John 15, 27, And ye also shall bear witness, because you've been with me from the beginning. In chapter 16, verse 1, he said, I've told you all these things. I've told you these things. Have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended? That you don't get upset and offended when these things happen. I told you it's going to happen. But that word there is scandalous. It's a scandal. But you don't think this is scandalous. Other people are going to think so. they got some weird things going on. And they're saying things. Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah, why? Well, I, I know but. I know but. <laughs> he said, these things have I told you. Look at verse 4. John 16, 4. But these things have I told you. That when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. You can't handle it all now. It'll come back to you. I'm going away, verse 6. But because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Verses 7 through 15, he says, You're going to be down, and you're going to be sad and afraid and troubled, and I'll send the comfort of the Spirit of truth, and He'll point you to me again. Verse 16, he says, A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. And then said some of his disciples, he said the same thing over and over and over again to him. Like children. He said, you must be like a child in my kingdom. What do children say? Why? How many times do you tell them? Just tell them one time shut the door. They'll shut the door from then on. No, you got to shut the door. Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Brush your teeth again. They don't get it, do they? They're just little children. They say in verse 17, John 16, 17, Some of the disciples said among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? What is he talking about? A little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this? And he saith, a little while. We cannot tell what he said. We're confused. The Lord's telling me the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm confused. That makes me troubled. If the Lord was telling you the same thing five times in a row and you didn't get it, would, that, would you be afraid? <laughs> y'all, y'all, right? This is important, what he's saying. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Now here's the text, verse 25. These things, what things? Everything he's been telling for the last three and a half years and since it's just the 11, everything he said. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh, the time's going to come, when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but shall show you plainly the Father. And that day, when that day comes, it's coming. And when that day comes, ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father Himself loved you, because you've loved me and have believed that I came out from God. This, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, "All right, our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be Thy name." You go talk to Him. That's who you pray to. That day's coming. The day's going to come because you believe me. And then here's here's the sum of it all. One sin. He can do this. I can't. <laughs> I tell you what He said. Verse twenty-eight. I came forth from the Father. He descended. No man's decent. We don't create him. He always has been. He's the great I am. He decent. He came from the Father. And am come into the world. 
born of a woman, made under the law, like as we are, for us, to be born for us, to live for us, to, to die for us, to be risen for us. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. The accepted sacrifice, the propitiation, the acceptable bloody sacrifice, the mercy seat, and that holiest of holies, that's Him. And He says, I'm going to the Father. Yeah. Oh, what's that thing? Verse 29. And His disciples said unto Him, Lo, now! He said, that day is going to come, the hour is going to come, I'm going to tell you all these things. And they say, now! Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no problem. Now! We are sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this, by what you just said, we believe that thou came from God. Now you do? Now we get it. Now, now you're speaking plainly. I had the ability to understand the whole time and it's your fault. That's what a natural man does. What Adam did. Why'd you eat? It's a woman you gave me. We have a sin nature that's, that, that our new man, if we have one, housed in, and it blames God for everything. What a horrible thing. Now we understand. Now, now you speak in plain. About time you said something clearly. What fleshly understanding that we assume. Isn't it? What a poor attitude. Blaming God for not being clear. What does this prove to us? These are the apostles. These are the eleven. This is the inner circle. Isn't it? We are helpless, hopeless, ignorant maggots apart from Christ who loved us and gave himself for me. We need him. We need him. A word from him. They said, now, now we believe. Now we got you. Now we've got a handle on it. They still thought that he's going to set up an earthly kingdom. Look here in verse 31. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Remember what he told Peter? Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Do you now believe? Now they're confident. Now we've got a handle on it. You know, you go through, there's five instances. I was going to preach that this weekend where the Lord uh, heals a blind man. And, and you start looking at what's common, right? And he said, Well, they're blind, they can't see. He's the physician. He, he's the one that can give sight. He commands it. Sometimes he spoke it. Sometimes he touched them. Sometimes he spit. Those things are kind of different, right? But we got a good hand on it. And then that man's healed in degrees. He touched him and said, well, you see, I see men walking as trees. Hold on. What do you see now? I see everything clear. As soon as we think we've got a hand on it, how God saves sinners. We know it's Christ. We know it's His doing. But we think we find a pattern. We think we get a, a niche on it. And then you go and read that John the Baptist from the womb was kicking and screaming, but he had the Holy Ghost from the womb. As soon as we think we, we, we really got him in a box, he teaches us, do you really believe? Now I believe. Now I'm about time. Now you believe. He said, do you believe? Verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered. You're going to hit the four winds. You lay down your life for me, I believe you, we'll die for you. He said, you're going to hit every, every man for himself. Every man to his own. That translation is his own house. Two of you is going to pack up and go to Emmaus. And so this is it. We thought we thought this was it. We're going home, boys. Peter's going to go back to fishing. They're going to go their own way. And you shall leave me alone. 
and yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. You cannot and you will not in and of yourself hold up your end. But I will. I'm about to. That hour is just about here. That's hard, isn't it? Is that hard for me? Is that hard for you? It's good when we see him. <laughs> we know he did. Look here at verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you. I've told you all this and re- repeated myself and I showed you these things and you got kind of puffy about it. And I said, do you believe? You're about to hit the winds. These things I've told unto you that in me, not in, not in you, not in your faith, not in your attendance to church, not in your prayer, not in your 15 minutes of devotional reading every day. Not in you, in me. You might have peace. Peace. What do we think of when we think of peace? We think of the verb peace, don't we? The feeling. The feeling. We want calmness, tranquility. We want contentment, being restful, don't we? That means absolutely nothing if it has no foundation. Peace, peace. There's no peace because there's no foundation to it. He said, in me you might have peace. Why? He's the chief cornerstone. He's our foundation that our peace is based on. What's the foundation of our peace? There's no war. There's no war. I'm wicked and arrogant and sinful and and nothing but filthy rags before a holy God and I hated Him. Outside of Christ, you were at war with God and I was at war with God and we hated Him. We might have played church. We might have dressed up, carried the Bible and made the kids miserable every time had to wear ties and stuff. Go sit still. And we played church and we, we went to the right places. We were at war with God until He came and made peace. He made reconciliation. He put away sin. That's peace. Why do you have peace? No war. The war's over. Carnal mind's enmity. Not is at enmity. It's war with God. He's made peace. He said, in me you might have peace. There's no more wickedness for God to be angry with. He's put the sin away as far as the east is from the west. That's what he's about to do in time. We, we, we live in this horrible thing called time. He's everlasting, never present. Uh, we see things on the calendar, don't we? Paul wrote about this in Romans 8. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No war. No condemnation. We recently looked at Psalm 45. David, it doesn't say who authored it, and that's good. We can sing it too. Maybe I'm not a king. I might not be able to sing it from his perspective. I can sing it from my perspective. It says, My heart is indicting a good manner. That means my heart is gushing. Good news. My cup overflows. i got to tell somebody because I speak concerning the king. He said, Grace pours from his lips. This king that made peace as captain of our salvation, he girded up his sword upon his thigh. He, did, he fought the battle. He won the war. He finished it. He's our defender. He's the captain of our salvation. And his throne is forever. We get presidents in, if we really like one, all you're going to get them for is eight years. And it ain't legal for them to come back. Or they die. Not this one. His throne's forever. And he's holy. And he smells like royalty. He smells
smells like grace and substitution. And, and he has a bride. And he's provided everything for this bride. And her garments. And for the wedding. And for the feast. And he's done it all. Because she was beautiful in his sight. And we'll all rejoice. And it says in Psalm 45, 15. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. You're going to be happy about it. <laughs> I promise. I'm happy about it. And they shall enter into the king's palace. Where's that family? Where's all that victory and, and, and foundational peace and the feeling of peace and the smell of peace and the presence of peace and that no condemnation? Where's that family? These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In me. You can go read Ephesians 1. I'm going to have to turn there. You've probably read a lot. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All the blessings, all the peace in Him. He goes on, he says, He's according to us, He has chosen us before the foundation of the world. We're elected in Christ the elect in Him. That we're predestinated to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. We're going to be conformed to His image. So much one with him, we look like it. We're him. One with him. Joint heirs with Christ. That's it. Somebody tells you they can explain all those things, you run from them. They don't know what to talk about. They're fools. That's unimaginable. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the blood of peace in worship towards God. We can come to his throne of grace, boldly. Well, Christ did it all. We're in him. Thank you. And all, all those times of petitioning the Lord when we're young, and the Lord just shows us what we are, we're sinners. And we're, Lord, please do this, and please don't do that, please be with me, and all that. And as that grows in time, you grow in grace. Now you turn to, to praise and thank you, Lord. Lord, what you've done is right. We just grew a little bit. You don't get more human, do you? You're the human, you ain't. He's made you holy, but. And he's been gracious to us. We grow in that grace, don't we? And we thank him. And we thank him. That's right. That's peace. Why? Redemption through the blood. There's the forgiveness of sins. It's gone. And it's just. It's just. And that's what it told uh, Isaiah, wasn't it? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Talk to their hearts. Cry to her that her warfare is accomplished. There's peace. And her iniquity is pardoned. She's received the Lord's hands double for all her sins. That's the foundation. He's the foundation of peace. Does that give you a feeling? That settle you? That give you peace? He's the peace. My pastor, when I was a child, my pastor was sitting back there, my first one when I was little. Uh, he preached a message one time, the two lives of believers, and he got a lot of hot water. We are. We are in Christ right now. We are one with Him. We're seated in Him in the heavens. And just as much as I'm with him, though I don't see, through faith we do. I'm standing on this globe right now. I'm in this world. You're going to have to get up Monday morning go to work, uh, uh, go to the store, and do things. And people that hate you, and people that are against you, people that don't, they hate your God. You're going to live in this world, ain't you? Look here, verse 33. There's trouble in the world. These things have I spoken unto you that you might in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. We 
We, see, we read things of the Lord that don't seem right to us, right? We read Ephesians 1, right there, boom. The Lord loved us before time. And finally, get down to the end, about verse 13, the Holy Spirit abounds towards us like a linebacker. And you ain't getting away from it. And old Brother Barnum said, if you read Ephesians 1 backwards, that's how we experience it. Humans are backwards. We see things wrong. Well, how did this peace come before the trouble? Shouldn't we have trouble first and then we need peace? His peace is from purpose before time. Amen. Because He loved us from everlasting, because He loved us, He's going to send you some trouble. The gospel goes forth and it disturbs the comfortable and it comforts the disturbed. That's so. Because He loved the people, He's going to shake them up and show them what they are. And then you're going to need them. That's what He's been saying since chapter 13. <laughs> you want to come down and I'm going to send a comfort, right? Why? Why do we have trouble in this world? I'll give you three quick points. We have trouble in this world because we're human beings. Apart from anything else, I'm a child of Adam. And Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. I'm just a human. I come in this world. I was conceived in sin. I come forth from the womb lying. And I got more okay with it as time went on. Quit grieving over as much. Heathens get sick. I get sick. Ain't no different. They have family problems. We have family problems. They have rough days at work. Me too. They age because of sin. Gray hair is all right here. Wrinkles. Sin's what it is. It ain't no different than anybody else walking down the street, is it? They have an appointed day. We do too. People around them, the ones they love, the ones they don't like, and their, their friends and their foes, dying all around them. Us too. Us too. We're just humans. What's to be expected? We're going to have trouble in this world. Don't be surprised when it comes. I told you these things so you're not... There's no scandal when it happens. Second reason we have trouble in this world, we're believers. We're believers. We're different. Uh, Ishmael didn't have no trouble. Isaac, why? It's chosen. Well, you think you're special. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with this. Jacob loved Joseph, didn't he? And then mother was throw him in the pit. He thinks he's something. Right? We don't think we're something, but we are different. We're a peculiar people. And I'll tell you what, those that hate God, no matter what they think they do or not, those that hate God, they cannot be friends with those who are the friends of God. He said, you're my friend. We don't talk like other people. We don't walk like other people. Man, I do a risk analysis and security one time for an individual. But I said, what's the likelihood of us hitting a bomb on this road? I said, 50-50. They said, really, is that what it come out to? I said, yeah, the Lord's going to let it happen or he ain't. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. We know that. They didn't laugh. I got in trouble for that. I said, so? I, did, I had to do all the math. It was like 47, 53. I was pretty close. <laughs> but, uh, we talk different. We walk different. There's a conference. What happened today was terrible. Well, the Lord sent it. I don't know why. I don't understand it. But He did it. He's the first cause of all things. Is there evil in the city and He hadn't done it? That's to glorify Him. That's what it is. It's for my good. I don't see that yet. But it's so. That's different. People don't like that. The world don't like it. People hate God don't like it. We're going to have trouble. It causes trouble. You speak of a sovereign God that's holy and just and merciful only in His Son. The world talks about unconditional love. There is no such thing. His love's conditional on His Son 
He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen. And to his people, he comes to them and says, hear ye him. That's a command. And we will. Because he gives them. We're going to have trouble because we're humans. We're the descendants of Adam. We're outside the Garden of Eden. Can't go back in. We're the children of an almighty, sovereign God. And we know him. And, and to any degree that a human being can, we understand his will. He's going to glorify Christ. And it's for our good. For our brethren's and being children of God, get this, if you missed everything else, stay with me. Being children of God, the Lord's going to teach us some things. He's going to send trouble. That's the medicine He's going to use to turn our hearts to Him. And He is not an austere man. He's not a bad father that comes and just bops his kids on the back of the head for no reason. That's the, we're so prone to think that. Lord, why would you do this to me? The apostles were there and that both these commercial fishermen Rowing and rowing and rowing, and the storm's coming. The boat's getting swamped, and they're crying out, Lord, we went where you told us to go, and we're going to drown. We think those things, don't we? But he's teaching them something. He sends his troubles to teach us something. James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, different trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect. And entire and wanting nothing. Look indeed. That's what happened over and over with these, right? You're going to be down. You're going to look to this world. You're going to be low. And I'm going to send a comforter. And he's going to speak of me. He's going to look to me. And I'll be in peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It's coming. The trouble is ordained. Whether it's in mind or body or family or providence or whatever. Car wreck, something. God sent. That's for our good. Oftentimes, I'm asked to pray for people. I get emails or phone calls or whatever. And they say, could you pray for so-and-so? And I say, well, what do you want me to pray for? My prayers are no different than your prayers. I'm not I'm not special. What do you want me to pray? Sometimes people are very pointed. And that's, I want you to pray that this trial goes away. And I want you to pray that they get better. Or that this eases up. Or they get some money or something. Why would I do that? That's not good. It ain't good. I'll tell you why. I don't want to walk out of that valley that he's put me in. I'm in his hand, and I know. I don't want to walk out of that valley he's put me in until he's made me grab hold of his hand. I don't want to move on from a time of darkness unless the only I'm dead certain he's the light. Unless he's guiding my steps. I don't want relief from a sickness or an illness unless it's the great position, and I'm fully aware of it, that he's doing the relief. The reason those trials come to reveal Christ in Show us what we are in our need of Him and His His greatness and His holiness and wonderfulness. Why would you wish away that blessing? To say, pray those things the same thing saying, I don't want to see Christ. That's selfish. That's manly. That's flesh. Lord, keep us trouble. That's why we pray for one another. Do you ever have trouble saying, Lord, be hard on me and teach me wisdom? I don't want to pray. I did that a couple of years ago. I told you all about it. And, and I, I was low when I was here and it got worse after but I pray for you, Lord, to give them comfort. Show them Christ quickly while they're in this trial. Yeah. And you pray that for me. And that's us loving. You remember hearing that before? Love one another. Lean on one another. You're going to need each other. Not that we're gossiping. We don't just sit around and talk about things. But we tell what's going on. We have to know what to pray for, don't we? Our troubles in this world turn us from the world. And we get sick of it. And by the time we're old enough to go, I'm, I'm ready to leave. I don't need to be anymore. And turns us from our knowledge and our intellect and our wisdom to the Lord. 
That's the mess. That's when Paul cried, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He knew what he was. That's trouble. That's soul trouble. What's the rest of it? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Peter talked about those things, the trials of our faith. That's a precious thing. Verse 33. So these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. When the Lord says peace, there's peace. When He says be still, we're still. When He says live, there's life. He says be of good cheer. I'm your peace. The world's trouble. Be of good cheer. When He says go, be of good cheer, you can be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the we're still in this world we're still alive we're still walking in this world but we know he's conquered it it's finished there's peace with that walking in faith that's for our good his glory and for the good of our bread we quote things sometimes we don't really have a good handle on context it's still true but the Lord will add to his church daily as he sees fit what was the context of that in Acts 2, it says they continued daily with one accord in the temple. They gathered together and they broke bread house to house and they did eat meat with gladness and singleness of heart and praising God. Believers lived together and worked together and worshiped together. And they having favor with all people. They walked through this world with hardworking folks, happy people, pleasant to be around. People still didn't like it too much, but they're still happy about it, wasn't it? And the Lord added, that's what He used. And He added to the church daily as should be saved. What a thought that those troubles come, Paul said. He comforts us that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. You ever told a stranger that? You have. Trouble comes, you say, Lord, did it. You say, who's that? You said, you got four or five hours? Sit down, I'll tell you. <laughs> you got some time? Come here, man. I'm not good at telling you. You come listen to my pastor tell you. That's his job. He'll his paycheck. He'll tell you about it. Those Lord was sending out those twelve and warned them of the trouble to come. He said, Fear not them which kill the body and are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in heaven. He's overcome those things. All of our enemies. Not just the enemies of this world, but sin, death, the grave. That law of writing of ordinances that was against us. He's, he's fulfilled every jot and tittle. Now I'm in good cheer. Now I have peace. Now those troubles come and say, That's all right. You'll be all right. I tell our folks that a lot. I guess it's catching on. That's what start telling me, Kevin, you'll be all right. <laughs> Good news, isn't it? He says all these things. That's where he ends. He tells Judas, go out. Do what you got to do. Do quickly. And he spends his whole evening talking to these brethren and comforting them and preparing them and equipping them to be together. And then that's it. He says, I've overcome the world. Chapter 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour's come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. Is He glorious to you? What a thought, huh? What a Savior we have. What a King. What a God. Worthy of praise, man. When we get down, look to Him. He's faithful. He's faithful. Thank you. I pray it's a blessing.